When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, welcome into the PHNX Cardinals podcast, your premier Arizona Cardinal podcast. Like and subscribe. Leave us a five-star wherever you get your programming. Special roundtable off-season edition of the program. I, of course, Johnny Venerable, co-host Bo Brock, live at the PHNX headquarters in downtown Phoenix. And Bo Brock, well, 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 look who we have here on a football Friday. Blake Murphy of RevengeOfTheBirds.com. Alex Clancy, locked on Cardinals, gentlemen. Thank you for hopping on. And, Bo, what do we owe the pleasure? We are set to talk Cardinal ball here on a Friday. Yeah, we weren't short on uh, storylines all offseason long, and you and I talked about them at nauseum. Of course, the coaching search, the GM search, as far as flipping this roster, the rebuild that went into it, the draft, post-draft OTAs, mini camps. Now we're staring down training camp and the season beginning soon. And we wanted to catch up with some old friends, our guy, Alex Clancy. I said I'd never do it again. I said I'd never <laughs> jump on in front of a camera, in front of a hot mic. With my old co-host, Alex Clancy, of course, Blake Murphy. Two guys, Johnny, from, from Backstory, for people who don't know, uh, that you and I came up with. When we started jumping on the old bird on Twitter back in the good old days, uh, when there were no limits or anything like that, uh, we were yeah. talking shop with these fellas. And uh, they're the uh, two of the more respected names in the game. And I'm excited to chat with them about the upcoming Cardinals season. 100%. Yep. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pose the question to my prior co-host, Mr. Blake Murphy, Blake Murphy 7 on Twitter. Uh, we've had a, a pretty wild offseason, all things considered. We're going to do a deep dive of the Arizona Cardinals, but... Your initial reaction to Monty Ossenford's first couple months on the job, Blake Murphy, what have you seen from the new GM for the Arizona Cardinals that excites you and maybe where it's left a little bit to be desired? Yeah, John, it feels like this new Cardinals general manager, if you're picturing like you just bought a house, you're moving into the house, maybe you're like looking and say, we got to get new cabinets here. We've got to get a new microwave. We've got to get the stove taken out, but we really, really like, you know, this extra spare bedroom. Let's make sure this is a feature, but we got to get some paint on the walls. So far through one off season, it feels like Monty Austin Fort has been at least accurate in understanding how the Cardinals have needed to really get a lot better, not just for 2023, but in making moves for 2024, I think that was most evident when the Cardinals were trading down from the third overall pick. Instead of taking that pass rusher, 
uh, that they could have getting security and long-term assets for next year. I think at least at the end of the day, when you look at this team, like outside of like the stars of Buddha, outside of some of the playmaking that we saw from Kyler Murray, who's now coming off of an ACL injury, of course, this team really was going to have to retool at the end of this season anyway. The Cardinals had kind of stretched everything out with a lot of veteran players. And when you move guys who aren't necessarily linebackers to that spot and now kind of have to undo, it's almost like you're like, oh, man, like I just installed this fan and I realized that I installed this fan to where the light switch is. I need to be able to actually run a cord up through here so I can actually see in this room. It's a lot of work. And I think that Monty Austin Ford is being accurate in his assessment of the Cardinals and is playing the long game, which I think will work out better for them overall. But it's going to be painful in the short term. Yeah, I feel like, you know, what Steve Keim left over was more than just like a, a nice DIY uh, fan installation. Like there was there was feces on the wall that Monty Austin Ford had to clean off. Like it was it was a full it was like pressure washer and everything. I don't and, know what and, houses you've had in the past. Though. <laughs> I mean, ones that Keim resided in for close to over two decades. I mean, it, it's there's a lot to clean up as far as this Cardinals roster. Alex, I wanted to ask you because. Obviously, you're not short on polarizing takes, but when you look, we saw the video from inside the war room. Uh, you, you had Monty Osfort. It really felt like, in, in my perspective, in a lot of people's perspective, that it was a master performance. Did you feel like he he kind of took hold of that position that day as Cardinals GM and, and kind of gave the fan base a little boost with that? Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's a far cry from what we've seen. I mean, aside from Jonathan Gannon looking like the – kid from little big league taking over a big league team you know he like sitting there like oh this is fun you know Monty Osafort was like he was the the king of the castle and yeah I mean what Blake said is right like Steve Kime Steve Kime was the friend growing up who came over and played with your toys and would never help you clean up I mean that's what he did to the Arizona Cardinals and now Monty Osafort has to clean up the mess and all he's done up until this point is check every single box that a rational and functional organization led GM would do so, yeah, and all it was just badass. I mean, seeing that with, with the camera work and everything in the war room was great. So, awesome for they don't do a ton this offseason outside of late April. Alex, do you feel like it was a mistake to take such a laid back approach in March in terms of free agent signings and essentially roll with what they have? Should they have been more aggressive or is this the right situation for them to be in? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I feel like the foundation of the Cardinals has been put together by crazy glue and band-aids over the last five, seven years. So with this, this is what you call a hard reset. It's called like rock bottom. is not a bad thing to say. Like there is no way that they're going to backslide more than they have at the end of last season, or at least you'd think so for a hard reset, you know, for, for unplugging the motive and plugging it back in. I mean, I feel like that was necessary to just, chill, understand exactly where you're going to be. And it's going to be a two off season and two draft rebuild. And luckily he knocked it out of the park with the draft. So people aren't really remembering the off season where they didn't sign many uh, big name free agents. Yeah, Johnny. I mean, we've talked about it a lot. I mean, as far as this organization and Monty Osport making those, those necessary tough decisions, unpopular decisions. When you look at this off season, it wasn't a lot of fun leading up to the draft and post-draft. I mean, it was you're trading away DeAndre Hopkins, you're trading down from the third overall pick with with top-tier talent there, and you're letting guys like Zach Allen and Byron Murphy walk, man. I mean, it was Monty Austin Fort was was doing the thing, and, and Alex used to say this all the time when we worked together. Like the, the, the Cardinals are eating their vegetables. What do you say, Johnny? Yeah, I mean, 
I hate cauliflower, but I like broccoli, right? So it just kind of depends on what I'm being served. I didn't love Zach Allen and Byron Murphy getting those deals. Blake, I'll pose it to you. You know, we talked about it. I, I posed this this to, to our viewers, you know, from day one. I didn't think they'd bring him back, and I didn't think that was a mistake. Blake, did you feel like it was a mistake to move off of those two players that, albeit were drafted by Steve Kime, but showed a lot of promise in Arizona? Hey, Blake, you're muted, brother. Uh, he's still muted. Well, I'll pose that question to Alex <laughs> while we get Blake situated here on the mic. Was it a mistake? Byron Murphy, local product, Zach Allen, uh, heir apparent from J.J. Watt. Was that a mistake in your opinion? I, You know, Byron Murphy's had a tough go here in Arizona. I mean, getting drafted, Patrick Peterson getting popped for PEDs his rookie year. He was statistically, I think Bo used, used to use this term, he was statistically one of the worst, if not the worst corners in football his rookie year. And he showed flashes. He missed the second part of the latter two seasons, probably the most recent for things outside of an actual injury as being the predominant thing. Um, him getting two years and 22 in Minnesota, anybody could say, I didn't get my money. I wasn't happy with where I was. The, the Zach Allen one really intrigued me because he showed that he deserved when on the field. Almost every dollar that he got, I just don't think the Cardinals were in a position to be able to pay a guy like that. Maybe if they were next year um, and in Denver, you know, it, it's going to be a good scheme fit. And I don't think this is a Monty Osmond not my guy, not going to re-sign him. I think that's kind of a fool's errand to think of it that way. But with where the Cardinals are at, they just it wasn't money well spent to bring back either of them, in my opinion. What about you, Blake? Yeah, sorry, guys. I was on mute. Hopefully that helped prevent the expletives or any type of swearing. I, would have said, <laughs> sure. I took a look at the team's cap space. They still have $23 million in cap, but – the lack of spending comes from the fact that you look at their team, they have the ninth oldest roster in the National Football League. So you're talking about a team that is about 26 years old on average, one of the oldest, older teams in the NFL. And Byron Murphy and Zach Allen are both at that age where you're starting to see not just that some of the injuries had piled up as far as availability. Fortunately, I think Zach was able to turn around that narrative. With Byron, you always wonder, do guys ever have a bad back and never ever see it get better ever Zach Allen I think that you're able to see that he's a guy who's going to go to a competitor because they were going to be looking to add that piece and I think with the Cardinals you'd be saying hey if this is a two-year rebuild if this is going to be kind of we're talking about 2025 this is the year this guy's deals are probably going to be done by that point and you're going to feel like that you may have kept a guy that helped you win but at the long-term expense of not being able to help load up for that moment when the Cardinals are going to say, hey, the NFC West is ripe for the taking. It's time to pounce. And that's where I think they've done a lot of work to essentially kind of make that tough decision because, as we've seen before, Steve Keim and others have had a hard time letting go of some of those valuable players, stretching out deals a little bit long, bringing guys back that got a year long in the tooth maybe. I think that it was a fine move to move off of them, but it's still a tough pill to swallow when you look at that defensive depth chart and say, Oof, we'd love to have a Byron Murphy and a Zach Allen on there. It's just you probably won't want to have them at least until you're ready to compete at that price and with their age. Yeah, I mean, if, if they draft and develop a core, right, and then they're looking for a guy to play defensive end like Zach Allen or, or somebody that, that's going to thrive in the slot like Byron Murphy, you know, is geared up to be, you know, his best suited to play slot corner, then yeah, go spend the money. If if you if you if you did it right, you drafted, developed, and you had, you know, the excess cap space and you could go out there and identify somebody on the free agent market. Johnny, you said it's kind of fool's gold sometimes. 
but you, you think that this is somebody to help plug a hole, that's fine. But if you're building your roster that way, I think Monty Osford's proving that that's not how they're going to, they're not going to live in that space. They're not going to pull Steve Kime and say, Hey, we're not, we're never rebuilding. And we're, if we feel like there's multiple holes on this roster, we're just going to go just throw money at it and, and see if, if those, those guys can play for us and, and play impact downs. And, and that's proven to not be a consistent way to be successful. Also, how much better are they with Byron Murphy and Zach Allen this yeah, year? Are they one win better, maybe two wins better? And you can make an argument, well, they're, they're building blocks, but you know, are they really? I think, you know, much to the same degree as like Isaiah Simmons and Zayvon Collins, I think their development was was sorely mismanaged by Vance Joseph and company. You know, Byron Murphy played less snaps in his second year than his first year. Zach Allen w- w- was beat up, and I, I do think he'll have a nice NFL career, but what's his ceiling? And I mentioned Isaiah Simmons because he he is a topic of discussion early and often on this show, Alex, where, you know, <laughs> I, I, I did not love the pick at the time, and I am not, you know, grave dancing. He, I think he's still going to have a uh, a cup of coffee with this team, but I, I think he's poised to hit free agency. I don't think they're going to bring him back. They declined his fifth year option. What do you make of the suddenly now no longer inside linebacker safety slash DB slash corner, whatever you want to call Isaiah Simmons in a pivotal year under Jonathan Gannon? It's idiocy. I mean, at least initially, <laughs> at least initially, because it's so far out of bounds from what's happened so far. Say what you want about the first, you know, three seasons hasn't been great. Okay. But we all like, and I saw Reddick, that comment's been happening because it just is. I mean, he's he's the last one who's mismanaged, and now you know he's he's made a Super Bowl and he's making yeah. a whole bunch of money and and Pro Bowl and stuff. Isaiah Simmons is going to thrive somewhere else if he goes somewhere else. I mean, he is a perfect, smart, fast, speedy specimen in the NFL. Like, what more do you want from a player you draft eight overall, regardless if they should have drafted offensive line or not? Like, the dude when put in a good spot could be a Pro Bowler, should be a Pro Bowler. So moving to safety, like, I just don't, I don't, I don't get it. Maybe that's more like, I don't understand. I know he did some of that in college. I know they, they tinkered with it a little bit last year, but if Budabaker comes back and you've got Jalen Thompson there, he's big. Do people forget that he's 6'3", 245? Like, I, I don't, I just don't necessarily understand the move. Now, if, if it works and they're a genius, he'll be a Cardinal for the next four years because he'll probably get a contract. <laughs> I mean, I, I completely understand the skepticism for Isaiah Simmons. I mean, even if he has what you would say is a, is a solid season, 100 tackles plus, right, gets a couple picks, gets a couple sacks, like how does that go to market? Like what what team is like, hey, because you can't say he's Derwin James. I think that ship has right. sailed, right? Yeah. I mean, how do you how do you place him on your roster? How do you spend that money and then tell your fan base, hey, this is what he's going to do, this is where he's going to thrive, and he's well worth all that money. Now, Blake, when we look at this this roster and we look at first-round picks spent after Isaiah Simmons with Zayvon Collins, who's also changing positions, he's now going to probably play primarily edge. He's going to go from off-ball linebacker to defensive end and then maybe outside linebacker in a, in a 4-3. I, I said I'm skeptical as far as Simmons and, and what he his ceiling could be, but I'm actually kind of bullish on a guy like Zayvon Collins. What do you think? Yeah, it's one of those times where I remember we would always talk about why is Vance Joseph dropping Chandler Jones back into coverage as often as he did. We were able to learn over time, hey, they didn't really have as much of a choice either due to scheme or just 
due to how Vance ran things. Uh, Zayvon Collins is not a guy that I'm as concerned about dropping back into coverage from the edge. I felt like that he was one of those players who at his size, you wanted to kind of have that prototypical Mike linebacker, the old school or lacquer. And the end of the day, a lot of his skills that he showed in college really were at least being able to use a lot of that strength to be able to get off the ball and not just be able to get after the quarterback, I think, but be able to make tackles. And that was one of the biggest things I think we saw last year. There was a lot of consistency, at least, with the Cardinals. Um, uh, I would say they were inconsistent against the run, but Zayvon Collins yeah. at least was consistent. He did get banged up a little bit for the most part, but that was one of the areas where if you looked at the roster and said, hey, we felt like this took a step forward. Whereas with Isaiah Simmons, you really were looking at him having to guard Travis Kelsey one-on-one, -on -one, and you're like, we probably took a step back. And I think that's one thing that you're looking for if you're a Cardinals fan. But I, I had Simmons as a safety for the most part, going through the entire process, it never truly made sense to me. You know, people say, oh, he's a linebacker, he's a linebacker, and you watch him play at Clemson, it's like, this guy's playing in the, the Tyron Matthew role at LSU, he's thriving and doing well, he's helping hunt down quarterbacks, but it was always coming from a blitz perspective or being able to drop back into coverage and having bigger size or bigger speed than college. In the NFL, you're going to have to basically make up for a lot of that size and speed with being able to have smart work, being able to get into the film. And at the end of the day, it's a spot where, like you said, your hope is that you're going to basically not see this be another Hassan Reddick situation. But I do feel like, at least at safety, the Cardinals just missed on that area. They wanted to get like the San Fran linebackers, um, took a big swing on a talented prospect. And unfortunately, they ended up kind of missing out on what could have been a really talented player that, you know, if things turn a different way. Maybe Steve Kime ends up getting another shot. Instead, we're talking about a total teardown for the cards this offseason. Yeah, I, I'm I'm thankful Steve Kime is not allowed to, to gamble on any more Arizona Cardinal draft picks, especially in the first round. Speaking of gambling, I'd be remiss if I didn't tell you guys about our friends at BetMGM. BetMGM, swing for the fences. Super easy to get started. Of course, always use that promo code PHNX. If you guys didn't know, we're going to be hanging out at the BetMGM Sportsbook every single football Sunday this fall. And speaking of the BetMGM app, log in. On your Apple device, your iOS, your Android, play the BetMGM MLB free-to-play game all throughout the course of the summer through September 7th. Be a batter and pick an area of the strike zone. Depending on the area of the strike zone you pick, single, double, triple, home run, or pop out, you're going to receive the prize associated with that type of hit. But you got to use it within 24 hours or you lose it. If you haven't signed up yet with BetMGM, what are you waiting for? Use that bonus code PHNX. Now, there's a few different offers depending on where you live, but for our folks in Arizona, place your first bet. Receive up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your bet loses. Again, place it. Promo code PHNX. If your bet loses, you're getting up to $1,000 back. Where else are you going to get that? But you got to make sure to sign up with PHNX. Check out the show notes for full details. And now listen to our guy Shane Diefenbach talk about it in the disclaimer. Disclaimer, 21 plus to wager. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in Washington, D.C., Mississippi, Nevada, New York, and Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369, New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP-ARIZONA, 1-800-522-4700, Kansas, Nevada, 1-800-327-5050, Massachusetts, 1-800-BETS-OFF. 
Kaufoff, Iowa, 1-800-270-7117 for Confidential Health, Michigan. Disclaimer, 21 plus to wager. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in Washington, D.C., Mississippi, Nevada, New York, and Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369, New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP-ARIZONA, 1-800-522-4700, Kansas, Nevada, 1-800-327-5050, Massachusetts, 1-800-BETS-OFF-IOWA, 1-800-270-7117 for Confidential Health, Michigan. Disclaimer, 21 plus to wager. Visit BetMGM. Just Love like you, these guys are synonymous with Cardinals football, Four Peaks is synonymous with great beer, especially here in the great state of Arizona. Get in on Four Peaks right now. Go to their H Street location. Dabble in any and every one of their delicious frosty cold ones. How about Kilt Lifter? How about any of their IPAs? How about the number one wheat beer in Arizona, that wow wheat? Can't go wrong with any of the beers on tap at Four Peaks that they brew there. They also have the the barrel age, which are so smooth. Check them all out. Also, make sure you're following them on social media at Four Peaks Brew and at Four Peaks Pub. You can enter to win on any of their fun contests. You can look at all the products they're about to drop, like that uh, Staycation Juicy IPA. Don't want to miss out on any of that. So make sure you're following along. If you're drinking Four Peaks, got to be 21 years or older. Of course, you got to drink it responsibly. Uh, so, a big topic of discussion, of course, is Kyler Murray. When is he going to come back? How much time is he going to miss? Are the Cardinals going to move on from Kyler Murray? And I, I do think, Alex, I, we've talked about it on our show at Nauseam. Like, I think this season is so interesting because of the multi layered facet of if the Cardinals do play well, you're encouraged to bring K1 back. Or if they, let's say, start over for the first five, six, seven weeks, do you hold Kyler Murray back? What's your philosophy on K1? given the fact that he wants to play, but there's also a certain Southern California quarterback that could entice this franchise come next spring. You know, it's interesting. Um, one of my biggest fears going into last season, uh, it's a different position, but it'll make sense, is DeAndre Hopkins and Hollywood Brown not playing meaningful snaps together. With DeAndre Hopkins out for the first six weeks, and then coming back, Hollywood Brown gets hurt the week before DeAndre Hopkins comes back, and now we're yep. sitting where we are with no actual proof that it would have worked on the field. It's kind of like that with Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. It's like, we don't really know. So we say he comes back week seven and they're one in five and he plays a couple games and they don't play well. He's coming off a major injury. The thing that the Cardinals have at, you know, at their discretion is that backstop of the draft. So if they want to sit him out and they want to just be like, you know, nope, this isn't going to happen. You're not ready yet, whatever it may be, or they lose a couple games and they sit him. I mean, crazier things have happened. Um, it would be a really interesting little wrinkle. But having said that, kid's going to want to play. Let them play and come on May. Like when you try to plan the future, when you try to plan free will and things like that, it rarely goes your way. You want to see Kyler Murray play. You want to see him play at an elite level. And if they drop a couple spots in the draft, they've got still got the old Houston Texans draft pick. They draft twice in the top 10, fine. You know, if you draft two in the top five, fine. But if they draft their pick after, you know, pick five, that means Kyler Murray played while well. he played for a good portion of the season. And mm -hmm. Signs are pointing up for at least the offense on this team with the defense obviously being severely deficited when it comes to talent right now. Yeah, it really feels like Kyler Murray has to play just for evaluation purposes, right? For mm -hmm. his, his own team and for teams around the league because if if it, if he plays and they're in, sitting there with their pick or the Texans pick and they're 1-1, uh, as we've shown before, like the odds were, what, 18% with their own pick, 13% with the Texans, close mm -hmm. to 30% odds. Uh, to get that number one pick, you have to have that conversation in business sense would say that, you know, you probably pivot 
take one year lump as far as $46 million dead cap trading Kyler Murray and then going with a rookie scale contract and a generational type talent. If Caleb Williams is the status quo from his Heisman season to this season, it, it really is. It's I, I think Blake, as far as the evaluation, it's important for him to get back when he's ready. Obviously I think that's, that's the biggest qualifier there when Kyler Murray is a hundred percent healthy mentally and physically, but when he's ready to go, don't you think it's, it's smart business to just get him on the field for evaluation purposes? This is kind of where I actually may feel a little differently. I think if you look at Kyler and you look at the Cardinals, what you're going to gain, I think, out of playing him as far as using him for evaluation purposes isn't going to be, I think, very fair to Kyler. You look at quarterbacks coming off of ACL injuries in the past. I did an article just on this on Revenge of the Birds. Uh, There's a little plug there. Talking about how when you look at quarterbacks who came off of the ACL. They all started week one. Kyler, we know they're taking their time. That's probably good. Sam Bradford retore his ACL in the preseason. I think it's smart for the Cardinals to be able to take their time with him. But each quarterback had three things in common coming off of the following season. So their yards per rushing attempt, which is every time they're going to run the ball, how many yards do they gain on average? It went down by a whole yard. And it may not seem like a lot, but it would take Kyler's 600 yards rushing that he had this season and drop it down to probably about like 490 Uh, I believe it was at least 538 yards is actually what it was. Uh, It was 418 yards for 67 times in 2022. So you're talking about your quarterback who ran the ball 67 times last year. You're coming off of an ACL. Are you going to be expecting him to be able to put up these same stats in production? No, you can't really expect that. I think that's really tough. You know, that quarterbacks coming off have their sacks increases, number two. And the last one is that, the interceptions usually end up seeing a slight increase. Sometimes it goes from like four to five to 12. Sometimes it goes from like seven to eight, eight to nine. Uh, one thing that I will say with the Cardinals that may be good for evaluation purposes is guys like Carson Palmer and Joe Burrow did thrive when the passing game was on point and their passing statistics improved. We all know Kyler didn't target the deep ball a lot last year, whether that's due to injury, whether that's due to scheme. I think that at the end of the day, you make up your mind. Is Kyler Murray our guy and we trust him? Because in that case, we don't need to see or evaluate him because we have the evaluation. It's been four years into his career. You go in and you commit yourself to saying, hey, if we end up with pick number one and pick number two, great. Pick number one is going to be traded for a bunch of first-round picks. Pick number two, we're getting him a weapon. That's what I think you can say as far as making that commitment. On the other side, I think you could also look at it and say, hey, we don't need to necessarily play Kyler because we've got our evaluation. Let's see where the chips fall, knowing that if he goes out there, it gets hurt again. Suddenly we look like the bad guys. Suddenly we're looking like we rushed him back out there. I think at the end of the day, you're probably meeting somewhere in the middle. Kyler has been busting his ass all the time to try to be able to get back to this sport that he loves. And it'd be really tough, I think, for this culture building team to say no. But at the end of the day, it wouldn't shock me if, you know, we're talking about week eight or nine and suddenly there's a business decision that both sides seemingly have to make just because of that certain quarterback from the USC. And the fact of the matter is Cardinals have enough picks to trade up if they do feel like they need to address the quarterback position, reset that clock on a rookie QB deal. It's something we have to talk about. Yeah, I I do think there's a window to bring him back, and if you miss yeah. that window, you, you need to go all in next spring. Uh, I don't I don't think it's appropriate given the state of this roster. And Bo, we've talked about it. Eight weeks, ten weeks of Colt McCoy, David Blau, and Clayton Tour is going to get you maybe one to two wins. I think at at most, right? And I, it could be 
a little naive there, but it just, you get into November and Kyler Murray, you don't bring him back yet. What are we doing here? Like I, I, I get, you want to evaluate him for 2024, but you're also, what's the state of the roster? Are rookies popping? Is your offensive line taking off? Or yeah. do you have some injuries? They've got guys who have been injured. Will Hernandez, DJ Humphreys in the past. So I, I, again, a lot has to go right in terms of holding him out and then trying to bring him back and like, this the last third of the season, I think is ridiculous. I think he will say he's ready to go early October. And then it's up to the Cardinals. And I don't, I disagree with the people, Bo and Alex, who say that, well, if you, if he gets hurt, that's on you. Like, no, 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 they're paying him. His guaranteed money's ready to go. He wants to play. You let him play. And if he plays well, great. And if he doesn't, if he gets re-injured, I mean, that's, that's football. Joe Burrow ha- ha- got injured what right around the same time Robert Griffin the third they came back week one Von Miller we've talked about a bow got injured like two weeks before Kyler he said he, he's going to be practicing at training camp so if Kyler Murray Blake to your point says he's ready let him play yeah I mean this is like a Florio-esque level uh conspiracy theory I mean it. like can you imagine though if if they don't let Kyler come back when he feels like he's ready and, and got you know green light the entire way and then they yeah. say don't play and then he gets traded out of this organization just I, I mean Alex for a team that can't stay at a headline sometimes you know for for the wrong reasons I think that would just that would be another bad you know hit on the Arizona Cardinals if Kyler Murray saying like I was ready they didn't play me so they could lose football games to get to this spot potentially in the draft don't you think yeah I mean one of the things that people like us in the media fans um, that is a, a hundred times bitten that's on me kind of thing where it's like you expect things like that. And that's not a rational thing to think coming out of this organization, but you got to trust Michael Bidwell. Cause he's done everything up until this point that he said he was going to do football wise, not about the mistreatment of employees, not the, the, the scathing review of the grades he hired with a cat with a wide net. Sure, he got slapped on the wrist for for the you know for the tampering. He hired Monty Osborne. He let Monty Osborne do his thing, and this is something. This is the new Arizona Cardinals, which is so weird to think because I could look like a complete idiot in a year if that exactly thing exact thing happens. This is not an ecosystem that we've experienced over the last ten years with the Arizona Cardinals because Michael Bidwell did the last thing he wanted to do, which was fire his boy, you know, and or whatever reason he was removed from the organization. Right. He just he looked like an idiot. He had massive egg on his face with the contract extension that didn't kick in before letting both of them go. So this has to be a clear indicator that Michael Biddle was at least trying to do things the right way. Now, six months from now, you could see Kyler Murray, like who who the who the hell knows with Michael Bidwell? But I just feel like it's difficult to shift your thought process on it because we've experienced one way for so long. I just I can't help but hope that what we've seen so far is not an exception to the rule, but the rule this offseason. And with that, yeah. if that were the case, that's not going to come up. But if it were to happen, I wouldn't be shocked either because of exactly what you said. Yeah, I just, to me, I want John and Gannon to play with a full deck this fall, and that includes Kyler Murray. And I just, mm-hmm. it's going to be sad to watch John and Gannon have to coach this team without without K1. We're going to talk about John and Gannon here in a second. But first, I want to tell you guys about our partner that we're also excited to tell you about it's our friends at circle k check out your local circle k best coffee beer snack selection premium gas not a premium price polar pops stay cold longer iced coffees under two bucks 12 packs of beer under 10 bucks hello red bull monster energy drinks whatever you want to do do it with our friends 
at Circle K. And again, make sure you're not missing out on all the great stuff they've got going on, including the SMS Subscriber Club. What is that? Well, text PHNX to 31310 and find out because it's going to hook you up with a buy one, get one free offer on a 32-ounce, not a 16 or 24, 32-ounce Big Boy Polar Pop for free. Again, SMS Subscriber Club, text PHNX to 31310, SMS Subscriber Club. Head to circlecake.com slash store dash locator to find the nearest Circle K to you. Anytime you tune into a Lockdown Cardinals and you watch Alex, you're like, man, where is this guy a prisoner somewhere? You know, it looks like he, he needs to dress up his his condo there. That's his set. And I the best exactly way to where do you're it, Alex, man, go to more furniture. Go to morefurniture.com. Get yourself dressed up a little bit. I mean, I know you're you're on the road right now. You're not in your okay. normal studio. It looks better, my man. But more furniture oh. is going to get you exactly where you want to go. As far as really making things look classy over at the at the Locked On Podcast Network and Locked On Cardinals, more furniture, of course. They got white glove, Alex. I know you you don't want to leave your man cave to go out into the world and, and grab furniture. They'll deliver it to you. They'll set it up for you. They'll put it exactly where you want it. Take advantage of their white glove delivery and pimp out your space, your living room, your bedroom, your dining room. Uh, get it all locked in with more furniture. Save big on the best furniture in the Valley. Morefurniture.com. Can we get Alex a spot at Cliff's maybe Airbnb in Paradise Valley now? Uh, he has not <laughs> sold say, his house uh, yet. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, yeah, he's basically waiting for the yard sale to put that on his wall right behind him is what it looks like. That's so right. That big and lion he, photo. He could be, he could be uh, neighbors with new head coach Jonathan Gannon, who also bought a house in Paradise Valley. Uh, and is doing pretty well. And let's talk about JG here for a second, Alex, because you look at the fact that he gave up 14 total points in the NFC playoffs, 70 sacks, almost 20 interceptions from his unit. And then if you look at every ranking this offseason, he is in the bottom tier. And that has to be because Philly fans and media alike, we saw him at you know the Combine and Super Bowl week, are losing their mind over the fact that his defense lost to Patrick Holmes and Andy Reid. What do you make of the first year head coach and his trajectory, hopefully into like a Bruce Aarons S type of head coach? Yeah. I mean, I think first off the bat, he's a weirdo and that's awesome. Like Mike McDaniel made waves in Miami when they started winning and he's just a goober. You know, he's exemplary at his craft. He deserves to be the head coach and he's not a stick figure. And I think that's an endearing thing about Jonathan Gannon. Now when the lights get bright, is he, is he going to shut it off? Is he going to be, you know, all business moving the Cardinals in the right direction, because when it comes down to it and, and giant, like he's got a tough job. It's not going to be growth. Isn't going to be directly correlative to the win loss record this year. It's going to be an evolution of a young team trying to just right the ship and show incremental growth, especially with the rookies who are going to be sprung into, you know, it, I mean, CB one pass rusher, wh whatever it may be wide receiver one or two with Michael Wilson. But I see Jonathan Gannon and the and the new coaches surrounding him, who a lot of them have never been in the position that they're in, as more of a cabinet this year with him as the president. But it's really going to be like this group effort to figure out what the Cardinals are, what their trajectory is, and the best way to go step by step throughout this, what's probably going to be a cluster bleep of a season, in yeah. an effort to position themselves to be scalable for the future in a way that we haven't necessarily seen. I mean, I say a lot of this offseason that, the restrictor blade has been taken off the Arizona Cardinals with the removal of Steve Keim and Cliff Kingsbury. Now they just need to do the incremental steps necessary in an effort to position themselves for future success. And who, why not Jonathan Gannon? So yeah. many first-time head coaches fail, so many succeed. There's going to be a star out of this offseason. Why not Jonathan Gannon? 
Blake, what do you think success and failure looks like for Jonathan Gannis in 2023? The biggest one ultimately is you're going to have to take a coaching staff that essentially in a lot of ways was preaching the gospel of Vance Joseph and would say good things about Cliff Kingsbury. But let's be honest, like very few people were actually going to probably tamper to get Cliff Kingsbury in as their head coach. Um, it's not to say that it's good for what the Cardinals did, but I think says at least something about the quality of who they were trying to get that when you're looking at the guys they were hiring, this wasn't like a 2012 where you're like, oh, okay, so the Steelers get Mike Tomlin. I guess that means we get you know some of the leftovers. Hey, this is another spot where you say other teams weren't really interested in your guy. This is a guy who'd been on the head coaching circuit circuit before was in all the different places uh, I think a lot of perspectives changed on the Super Bowl and let me say if I'm gonna have to decide on a guy if he's a good head coach or not based off of the Super Bowl with all the pressures on you but against Patrick Mahomes Travis Kelsey and Andy Reid with two of the plays that we saw was hey we're gonna basically make sure that we get this fixed for the second touchdown didn't get fixed. You have to be able to learn from a lot of the different areas and mistakes. And I think that was one of the places that we really have seen in a lot of different ways. The Philadelphia Eagles that he came from, they did. They had gone and gotten a Super Bowl. They ended up having Nick Foles have this weird quarterback dynamic. It's like, you know, that weird, awkward, you know, twins at like your uncle's wedding where you're just like, okay, one of you guys I thought was in, no, never mind. at least. It's just one of these weird dynamics you're able to see that, see how the team was able to rally around at least the leaders that they had on the team. Uh, guys like Zach Ertz were traded from the Eagles to the Cardinals because the Eagles were kind of in that spot of we're not really a competing team right now, still managed to make the playoffs. I think that being able to lay that foundation of, hey, we're going to fail at first, but that's okay because we're going to get better, I think is going to be helpful, especially to a Cardinals organization that has just expected to win every single season and pushed for that to the point of breaking like they did this last year, it might be at least good to take a breath, step back, lay at least a bit of that foundation that resets because mm -hmm. you don't want to build that house where it's crooked and all of a sudden you're wondering three years in, you know, oh, yeah, that's right. This is that same house that I moved into. I thought I cleaned this up, but I just put a new paint of coat, a new coat of paint, excuse me, on the right. walls. Uh, you know, I got a new, threw out that old couch, brought in a new one. Uh, don't look behind the couch anyway. That's where I think the Cardinals are right now. And I think that's like what Alex said. It's refreshing, at least, that Michael Bidwell, for the first time in a while, was able to go out and kind of make a lot of those changes happen from what people were saying. Because I think a lot of fans had that fear of the same old Cardinals. And at least with this, we can say it's a fresh start. And no matter how successful or not it is, at least the Cardinals are moving in a direction that's positive. And I think it's something that they can build on for the long term um regardless at least of how they do in this first year because it's it's probably not going to be pretty but let's see what the little wins are along the way well yeah and i think you have to take it with moral victories i know fans i hate that term but both like we've talked about it before you know it's it's easy to say cardinals are going to have a top five pick next year and they're going to take x player mm -hmm. Like, can can this fan base, can, can Michael Bidwell and company endure a top five pick, a top three pick? I think it really depends on the optics from Jonathan Gannon. I mean, Zach Taylor was given the benefit of the doubt multiple years before he got Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase to then go to the Super Bowl. Are you putting this win-loss record, good or bad, on Jonathan Gannon year one? Because I, I just can't. Unless they right. look like Cliff Kingsbury as not prepared, country club training camp, blown out time after time. I and mean, that's really what got Steve Wilkes canned is they did not look like a competitive NFL team, a competent NFL team 
Jonathan Gannon's not going to sell me that this fall, right? Right. I don't think so. I mean, he's going to get the grace, right, that Steve Wilkes didn't get. He's right. got, he's, the Cliff Kingsbury did get, you know, year one and, and a little bit beyond that after the failures at the end of, of year two for Kingsbury when they were kind of ahead of schedule. But, no, I, I think that Jonathan Gannon, he can show uh, that this team is on the right track. And he's he's shown in his career as, as the defensive coordinator, first-year defensive coordinator. I mean, Johnny, we've heard that, you know, he basically took on, you know, kind of the, the lamb, sacrificial lamb role of, hey, you know, work on the offense, get that in the right spot, and then, you know, my defense will wear it this year and then – reward me you know the following season and look what happened i mean just unbelievable results 70 sacks 17 picks and in a super bowl berth uh because it, they played you know probably the best complimentary football in the league and and that's not like an indictment on the chiefs they just kind of run mostly through their offense so yeah i mean jg it, it would i don't think anybody's going to sit here if the team finishes you know four and 13 again they're going to be calling for his head as long as it's it's really going to be dependent on what the product looks like if they see development from a bj ujulari a mike wilson uh garrett williams a paris johnson jr i mean but also you know comes into the conversation too is like when you couldn't tell anybody like last year at this time that the seahawks were going to be a playoff team like nobody sure. would buy that nobody like the the group think on that was too strong that people would call they would laugh you off off a microphone they laugh you off twitter uh, and the same thing would go like that, that Miami team that Brian Flores took over. Like they said, that's a bottom feeder. That's the team that's going to be picking one, one there's, you can't change my mind about it. And they won what five games. If, yeah. I think if they can resemble something like that, this fan base would be content with the decision to, to pick JG, uh, and, and move forward with him. Yep. Well, yeah. Alex, I, I real quick, I, I just feel like this is this is the the bar that's been set is so low that there is yeah. no I, I feel like there's no way for Gannon to disappoint. Right. I agree. I mean, there are two main things that need to happen this season with Jonathan Gannon leading leading the way. One, finding stars to take place of high draft picks next season. Can BJ Ojolari be the edge rusher or everything guy for the future so they don't have to waste a pick in the top two rounds next year? Can Garrett Williams be the CB1 of the future so they don't have to waste the second-round pick on a CB1 potential for next season? That's one. And then number two, follow the Dan Campbell model. Take a perennially losing organization and make them fun again because the Detroit Lions went from the doldrums. They traded Matthew Stafford. They got Jared Goff, who nobody wanted, and they're the most fun team to watch in football that's not a contender. So if you can go by that metric of, like, you're watching in Week 18 – a team win that knocks out a perennial, you know, kind of loathsome organization with, with Aaron Rodgers. Like that was one of the biggest games of the year last year. And the Lions yeah. have been irrelevant forever. So if you can do that, those are the metrics. And I know it's kind of, you know, I mean, it's not an actual numerical metric that you can chase and, and have like, you know, pro progress reports. But if the evolution and the player development of the young players at key positions can keep the Cardinals from drafting those positions in the first two rounds next year. And if they can be fun again, and I don't even know if it's again, when was the last time the Cardinals were fun? Like 2015 for that season, like Kyler Murray has been fun. Okay. Yeah. But like fun with an actual trajectory for, for prosperity in perpetuity in the future. That's something the Cardinals have never faced. So that's a tall task, but it starts next year. I mean, to, to use Blake's analogy of, of, you know, building a house. I mean, it's like, 
if if the Cardinals are building a house and like you see them, you walk by in the neighborhood and you see them laying the foundation, and then the next week they're saying, "Hey, come on and check out my sixty-five inch flat screen." Like, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> like, that's not like I know the process and how long it takes to build a house. Like, there's no way you should be hanging uh, an expensive flat screen on the TV. It's like, oh no, check it out. Everything's fine, and you know it, it's just. It's not it's not ready to go. And I think if you can show that you're building the right way this year, I think that you can get the fan base on board with Monty and with Gannon and, and what they're selling. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think it's the difference between being a competitive football team and actively trying to not win games. Like I yeah. may go up in basketball. Uh, let's just use DeAndre Ayton because he's way taller than I am, at least. You could use Devin Booker. I may basically play against him, but if I'm just like passing him the ball and I'm just kind of like looking around or I'm just letting him run by me for a dunk, that's the difference of trying to lose games. I don't think that anyone thinks the Cardinals mm. should go out there and try to lose games. Right. But if it comes to being competitive, I got to take a good hard look at myself and say, if I try to go up for a dunk on that, I'm just going to get like face planted and smacked. And then Alex will probably be standing over there laughing. And I'll be like, hey, it's your turn next, bud. You got to go up now. <laughs> that's where I think the Cardinals, when we look at their roster, are. And I think that's okay because it's still building blocks. Or all of a sudden you look at the next play. Hey, we got this player. Hey, we got this player. Hey, now we've actually got a team. Now we're actually equipped to take on. I, the thing I'm honestly most excited for is something that maybe isn't even something we'll see on the field. But I think it's going to be the stories that you're going to hear from the players about whether they're buying in or not. Because mm. we've heard times before, I think Steve Wilkes put up like a hurdle in the middle of the locker room at one point. You've seen like yeah. bricks given out to players. Uh, we already heard at least uh, as far as for one of the stories out of camp, Zayvon Collins talked about getting chewed out uh, because he <laughs> nice. was chewing in the middle of a actual team meeting. Uh, they called him out, but like made sure he's like, hey, this is not what we do. Do you guys remember Lawrence Okoye? Because Lawrence Okoye is a guy that very few Cardinals fans will remember. I even had to Google just to make sure that I got his name right. He was the player that Bruce Arians cut for parking in his parking space, his <laughs> practice squad guy. He said, hey, got the warning, don't park in that space. He ended up, whether it was being late, parking in the wrong spot, he gets cut. It's one of those things that shows up and is a huge part of that 2015 season in All or Nothing. And it really was a tone setter that people were able to talk about. That's, I think, the sort of culture building. Now, maybe you don't want it to be as harsh, but that was what B.A. did. He didn't care what you thought. That's the type of culture that I think you want to see the Cardinals is more of those type of stories from Zayvon Collin. To me, that is the success because it means that the players are buying in. And we ultimately, at the end of last season, it was really difficult to look at that team because they ultimately had no buy-in. It was just a lot of effort. Yeah. Even players weren't playing the last parts of the game, uh, last two games of the season. I think that's what Cardinals fans are looking for because once we see the players bought in, that's when the fans, I think, are ready to buy in. Well, I mean, yeah. that's truly paying attention to the details. Like, we heard that at nauseum from the coaching staff last year when things were going poorly. You'd ask, ask Cliff, like, what has to happen? He's like, we just have to pay, you know, closer attention, take care of the, the, the minor details. And it's like, well, no, that that's what it looks like. It's like simple things of telling Zayvon Collins to eat eggs. You know, if you get here 10 minutes early, you can eat your eggs, and then you're not going to be chewing while I'm going through, you know, what what we're going to do in the, in this defensive setup. Uh, I mean, for – Christ's sake, they had Lecky Fotu in his position group last year on Hard Knocks making waffles in a in a me team meeting room. It's like the, the team could could say it until they're blue in the face. You got to pay attention to the details, but had no clue what that looked like and what that was. And I feel like JG and his staff do. 
Just having a little fun. Just having a little fun with Cliff and, Cliff and the gang. We it's love the, fun. Yeah, it's the waffle breakfast, you know? Yes. <laughs> we do it every right. month. We do. We do We do that. We hang out at Octane Raceway and Maverick. We like to have fun, and we're going to have fun there all summer. You can hang out. Summer Engineering Camp, partnering with Engineering for Kids. How about free bowling? they got a kids' free bowling program. Runs through August 4th. Children 15 and under. So sorry, Lecky, but you can bring your kids if you got them. Uh, they can do two free, up to two free games per day. Book some fun this summer at Octane Raceway and Maverick. They've got cart uh, racing, which we've done fantastic. Virtual reality, laser tag, axe throwing, bowling arcade, great food and drinks, so much more. Tons of different events throughout the course of the summer. Check out OctaneRaceway.com and Maverick.com to learn more. Uh, all right, so I want to go around the horn here. Uh, we are blessed and fortunate to have Mr. Alex Clancy Bulbrock to join us here on the first PHNX Cardinals round table ahead of the 2023 NFL season. Alex, I'm going to start with you while we just got finished on our soapbox saying, you know, wins and losses don't matter this year. We want to see what the on-field product looks like. What, how many dubs for the Cardinals this year? What's your final win prediction for 2023? I mean, I think it's going to be four. Um, with the schedule, like you just kind of have to throw out the first six weeks. I mean, it's a brutal, I mean, they play, you know, the Cowboys, the Niners, the Bengals, the, you know, the Seahawks are good, the Rams, Browns, you know, whatever it may be, but they have this sweet little stretch. I think it's week 10, 11, 12, where it's Falcons, Texans, and Rams. Rams are going to be very good. So with those three, I think, I think they could go on a three game stretch, especially because that's around the time where if Kyler Murray has been back for a couple weeks, he'll be in full swing. Or if that when that's when he that's when he does come back, they play the Bears after the bye. So I think it's going to be four. The fun part is going to be you. All of us will go back and forth, brain melting on if the Cardinals should beat the Texans or not, if they want to or they don't, because it's just going to be this you know this these pogo sticks back and forth with win loss record. And um, I'm fascinated to see, but I think four and thirteen is about right. If Kyler Murray comes back in the first month, obviously that changes, but I would say about four and thirteen. I saw it. I mean, talk about like the Falcons. They've got all these new shiny toys, right? They've they've utilized all top draft picks on on a running back now, a tight end, a wide receiver. I think I saw a stat in the day that we're recording this. It's been over 2,000 days that they've been under 500. 2,000 days under 500. And people are like, oh, yeah, Desmond Ritter is going to be able to (laughs) beat John Robinson. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Right. It's like, okay, you still can't play quarterback and your defense is patchwork. it's uh, it's it's pretty astounding, but no, I mean, Blake, I mean, when you we're, we're gonna put your feet to the flame here. Alex says four wins, and Alex, you feel like that, Blake? Before we get it, I mean, how much are you factoring Kyler into that that win total? I'm expecting him to be out six or seven weeks. I mean, he got he tore his ACL what in December. I yeah. mean, he's not Adrian Peterson. You know, as much as he wants to come back and play, he hasn't done the hard drills yet. I mean, no, there's time, but. I just don't see like you don't want him to come back week the first week against the Bengals or the 49ers or the Ravens like it's it, it's going to be timing with that too so yeah I factor that in where I feel like he's going to miss at least six weeks if not two months yeah no I I think I agree with that uh, it also is a place of you got to remember this is an almost unprecedented situation to have a quarterback coming off of an ACL to injury who is known for his mobility that also is going to have to learn a brand new offensive mm-hmm. system. That I think is one of the cases where you're not going to get any time in training camp. You're not going to get that much time. I know he's itching to get back out there, but like you said, if you're looking at about six weeks or so, you're probably going to be looking at again against the Rams, maybe the Seahawks. The thing that's also interesting about this, and I've got the Cardinals in a different spot is you're kind of look at the last portion of their schedule. 
and the way that it lined up this year, like you've got Steelers on the road, the 49ers, you got the Bears at least are probably at that point, if they're not pushing for a playoff spot, they're probably pushing for their jobs at least because this is the third year of a coaching staff. Uh, you see then against the Eagles, the Jonathan Gannon revenge game. And then if the Seahawks are in the playoffs, that may be the last game. If you wanted to talk about Tank City, with that type of a schedule, you could probably just trot that out there and that would be the case. I think it's hard for me to take a look at a Cardinals team that won four games last year, probably should have won five or six with Kyler right. Healthy. Maybe you're talking about people being more shut down as the season went along. I've got them at least right now with an interesting, I've got them at two and 14, where I think it's two wins because I think that they're going to be able to find a win, but also have kind of that gut through surprises everyone type of win. And, sure. I fig and I fixed the Houston Texans dilemma. Uh, they tie with the Texans, so therefore neither team is really affected by the win or by the loss. Uh, that's what I'm going to just say as far as throwing it out there. That would be my fix to that whole dilemma. Interesting. Um, I mean, listen, I, I want this team to win as many games as possible. Then I took on turn on Marvin Harrison Jr. highlights, and it, and it becomes a dilemma uh, that, we, that we face each and every day uh, that we're going to be turning into College Football Saturday. Uh, I like I like the four wins. I I, I think Jonathan Gannon is going to have this team bought in early, and I think they're going to be clicking defensively November and December, Bo, where we're going to get like you remember Dan Campbell that the end of that first year they they start what 0 and 9 0 and 10 and they beat the holy hell out of the Cardinals in, at Ford Field the year the Cardinals went to the postseason. I I think you could see Alex to your point something similar if they if they get by, and I think the Cardinals are more talented than that Detroit team, but. It's all predicated on K1. When does he come back? Because, Bo, I'm adamant. If, if you roll with this quarterback group, Colt McCoy, Clayton Toon, for the duration of the season, or let's call it like 75 80%, mm. you are asking, you are telling the football gods, we want Caleb Williams, we want the first overall pick. Yeah, so you're saying four wins right now? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll say four or five. Flip yeah. a coin. Um, if Kyler Murray plays... You got to tell me if he if if Alex is saying if he play if he comes back week six or seven I do think they could get to six wins, but if if he goodness like it goes back to our original conversation if it's November and he's not playing what's what are we doing what's the what's the point of this right uh, the the point is we're trying to get the the first overall pick right yeah I mean I I think that's that's the easiest way to gauge it it's like pre Kyler post Kyler how how much right. do you get from your franchise quarterback um, I mean if he comes back and, and they're playing five hundred ball. One, I think that takes you out of the conversation, at least for your, your pick to be the number one pick. Yep. And I think it, it makes the case for, for Kyler. You just move forward with, with his contract. And sure, you could probably find some ways to, uh, what Blake likes to say, kick the can down the road as far as that contract, maybe restructure, take on uh, less of a salary cap hit if you even need to. I mean, right. they're looking at $80 million potentially, even with Kyler's $50 million on on the books. So, uh yeah, I, I think anywhere from four to seven is, is the sweet spot, right? Like seven is is the high end. But if I think this fan base, we talk about it all the time, even when we were doing shows together, Alex, like what a fan base would, would be over the moon for would be would be seven wins. Like that would be a fun season to watch to where if they, yeah, I just gotta say this. If they get seven wins against the yeah. NFC East and the AFC North. Yeah, like Jonathan Gannon's going to be coach. Jonathan Gannon would be coach of the year if that happened. <laughs> and it's not like to say that's there. It would also give you a lot of confidence for saying, "Oh yeah, who needs that number one overall pick?" Because you'd be seeing essentially the team being able to rise above the expectations that people have. Yeah. I think that would be great. I think if you look at how their odds are, anything that hits the over, I think would be perfect for the Cardinals because Which is that's a huge four, selling point. Four and a half right now. Four and a half. Yeah. 
four and a half. Well, they and, can hit and, six wins, even more. <laughs> yeah, and one last thing. I mean, with the two quarterbacks, I mean, we've seen it with Carson Wentz and Jared Goff. We've seen it with RG3 and Andrew Luck, who obviously retired. Just because everybody says these guys are going to be Hall of Famers doesn't mean they will be. And you know with Kyler Murray, you've seen, I call I call them the oh-my-God moments, with enough potency that if he's in a new offense and a new ecosystem with a new head coach and new GM, you've got a fringe MVP quarterback when playing at his best already. You don't have to look at other things. And if you do keep him and you trade back and you get three first-round picks and a bunch of seconds for the first overall, you draft Marvin Harrison Jr., if it doesn't work in 2024, use those picks and trade for a damn quarterback. Like yeah. You don't have to use players with those draft picks if it doesn't work with Kyler Murray in 2024. It's just – I don't think Caleb Williams is just, oh, he's going to be the next great thing just because it was a bad quarterback class this year doesn't mean – who knows? Spencer Rattler could be the best quarterback to come out of college next year after a down year. Yeah, I mean, Arizona like, legend. You know, it's just – it's crazy that they have to play another college football season before any of this even matters. So – that's what I'm stoked about to watch. As you mentioned, college yeah. football Saturday. Yep. Yeah, One thing just, real quick also, just before, I liked your metaphor, John. You said about holding a full deck. I think that what we saw with Monty Austin for is he kind of is hedging his bet a little bit. Like you've got Kyler, he's ready to be the guy. You've got those other draft picks in the hole, so you're kind of able to say, hey, we're not going to go all in. We're going to basically hedge our bet. And I think that's a much wiser decision because we saw the Cardinals keep going all in, at least under the old regime. Now I think you see a little bit of wisdom that's at play I just, here. I like that. I mean, I've never seen a GM for this franchise operate this way that what we saw in late April, especially rebounding off of that, you know, ridiculous tampering situation to turn around after that news broke, completely undressed the Houston Texans trade back in the second round. I mean, it just it was masterful. It was it was such good work by Austin Ford. Speaking of great work, check out the work for many, many talented peers. Go PHNX.com. Become a diehard right now. Pick up a hat, free hat and or T-shirt every year you're signed up to be a diehard. Be part of the exclusive member Discord, 20% off all items at the PHNX merchandise, locker, events, everything you want. Go PHNX.com. We've got everything you want for Arizona Cardinal fans today. Alex Clancy, tell them where they can find your work, my friend. Um, follow on Twitter, Clancy's Corner, and Locked on Arizona Cardinals free wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube. Any thread? You got a threads account yet? <laughs> Wait, like new clothes? Oh God! What are you talking about? I've already, you I've already threads, made that bro? joke. You're a couple of days threads. late. I got threads, bro. Not threads.net. No, oh, I do man. not. And You're just six months late to the party. Could couldn't get out with a bad joke from Clancy. Come on, <laughs> Blake. Uh, I see it there. Obviously at Revenge of the Birds at Blake Murphy Seven, and then the Redbird Reboot uh, Podcast. What else? You got anything else in the works? Yeah, I mean, we got some actual new branding coming for that pretty soon, which will be fun. Uh, should have an upcoming podcast going over the top 10 storylines for upcoming training camp. Always love covering that. I uh, don't really have anything to pitch other than that. Like I could say the follow on threads, but I think I put in my bio, I was not thready for a new social media mm, platform. Geez, which is, uh, that's an even worse right joke than what Clancy so had. Bad. Had to leave you oh. on that one, at least. Got we had a great through. show up until this this segment <laughs> here. Uh, but in all seriousness, gentlemen, thank you so much for hopping on. Uh, it was an absolute pleasure when Bo and I talked about kicking off the series of, of roundtable discussions. It, it always started and ended with you two gentlemen. So thank you so much. Of course, man. I'm sorry you have to carry the show now. You know, it's uh, oh, that's it's not true something at all. That, you know, it's it's like Johnny. You were meant for it. You know, so you, yeah. you have the right co-host. You got the right on your. Hopefully, you do a lot of. Uh, 
you know, Frank Sanders selection. does a great job, brother. You can't even think uh, of an exercise that you would do to do heavy lifting because he hasn't true. seen uh, the gym in 10 years. <laughs> oh, locked on Cardinals. Check it out. Blake Murphy, revenge of the birds.com. He of course is Bo Brock at PHNX. I'm Johnny Venerable. Thank you, gentlemen. We'll see you next time. Thank you.